Welcome to Energy Matters, exploring awakening to your authentic self and finding purpose through mind, body, and soul. With your hosts, Cody Edner and David Gandelman. Brought to you by intuitivevision.net and groundedmind.com. Energy Matters listeners, welcome back to another episode. I've got my co-host Cody here with me. Hey, everybody. We are ready to rock today. Recently, we had the spiritual teacher and author, Alan Cohen, on the podcast, and it was really fun. So I emailed him. I was like, hey, Alan, we both went to Rutgers. (laughs) (laughs) You know anybody else that would be good for the podcast? And he promptly emailed me back and he said, you got to get Corinne Zupko on. She's awesome. And so we did, and she's here with us today. She's an author of From Anxiety to Love. She's a teacher, she's a coach, she's a guide, and she's a bright spirit, that's for sure. We, we have a great conversation with her. So if you are suffering from anxiety in one form or another, uh, or something similar to anxiety, it doesn't have to be anxiety, it could be stress, it could be fear, Uh, something that is a little bit debilitating in some way, then Corinne is a a really amazing uh, resource because she, from my experience talking to her, she takes what you're afraid of, what you're stuck on, what's holding you back, and she shows you that it's actually your ticket home, that it's actually what's going to turn it around for you and get you to where you want to be. Uh, and she talks about embracing the darkness and pulling meaning out of it. She's got some incredible stories, so she's here to share them with us today. Today? 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 <laughs> today? And uh, and I'm excited for it. Before we jump into the episode, uh, energymatterspodcast.com, we've got a free class Cody and I did called Awakening to Your Spiritual Abilities. Uh, check it out. And please, 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 if you get a chance, rate us on iTunes. This way, my mom can be proud of me and Cody. So uh, just takes a moment. (laughs) Go and rate us, please. Yes. All right. Let's jump into it. We've got Corinne Zupko on. Energy Matters listeners, welcome back to another episode. And we have... Corinne Zupko on the show today to talk about moving from anxiety to love. She's the author of Anxiety to Love. It is such a pleasure to have you here. Welcome. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Cody. I'm really excited to be here. I've been really enjoying your your shows. It's been fun to tune into. (laughs) Yeah, you were just mentioning before we jumped on that you were listening to us walking on the boardwalk and broke out into laughter and everyone thought you were crazy. I was listening to your episode with Alan Cohen, and when you asked him, how did he meet Ram Dass, I think it was, and Alan's response was drugs. And I burst out (laughs) laughing, and all eyes turned and looked at me like, what is she listening to? But I just couldn't contain myself. (laughs) You You know what's really funny? So Alan Cohen is a mutual friend of ours, wonderful spiritual teacher, incredible guide and inspiration. And so I was just a couple days ago at a yoga studio I'm in Bali right now. And right in the front of the studio was one of his books, uh, The Dragon Doesn't Live Here Anymore. And so I randomly picked it up. It was like a giveaway. They're just like, give one, give a book, take a book. So I took it and I was reading about that episode. And it turns out that he didn't actually meet Ram Dass. He was tripping on acid and met Ram Dass in a trip <laughs> listening to his audio. Oh my God. So I didn't realize that he told us the story <laughs> on our show. I thought it was literal. He said, I met Ram Dass and Ram Dass showed me the way. But according to his book, he was just high. <laughs> That is a riot. Oh my gosh. Oh, I, I read that this morning, actually, and I was like, I was just blown away. I thought that was funny. So when he said wow. drugs, he really meant drugs. He really meant drugs. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was vague on that, on that point. So you two have a lot in common because you both teach from A Course in Miracles. And um, I've, I've heard you say before that you got into it in college and that your mother actually gave you the book. And I wanted to ask... Well, one, can you explain a little bit about Course in Miracles and its effects on you and all of that? And, but also, how did your, and how did your mom get into A Course in Miracles? <laughs> That's a great question. So I rewind. This is in, 
I'm trying to think when she first started trying to introduce it to me. I was probably in high school. She got into it. I believe my younger sister may have found it and was like, mom, check this out. I don't know that exact story. I don't remember, but my mom has been studying it for a bit. And you know what happens when a parent is trying to offer their child something helpful or good or spiritual. Mm -hmm. What do we do? We're like, I want nothing to do with this mom. Like, leave me alone. And so when my mom would try to talk to me about it, I was a snot. Like I literally would plug my ears with my fingers and I'd say, speak to me in English like you used to. I'm not interested in this spiritual crap. Like I wanted (laughs) nothing to do with it because she was trying to give it to me. And it wasn't until my sophomore year of college when I broke down with debilitating panic attacks and anxiety. I was just almost barely able to function. The first night when I had my very first panic attack and I was on the floor in my college residence hall bathroom with the phone, we didn't have cell phones back then. So it was like the old school campus phone with a wire. I was sitting there on the cold tiles in the middle of a panic attack. I called her, she was talking me through it. And she said, Corinne, she's like, I know I've tried to talk to you about this book called A Course in Miracles before, but it is all about the finding and the keeping of a state of inner peace. And I really think it would help you. And at that moment, I said, I will try absolutely anything, bring it on. And that was when it it took that level of anxiety to kind of shake me open, to have an open mind. And she gave me the book, probably my next visit home, which was probably that weekend. And I remember it it was December, no, it was January 1997, I think, when she actually gave me the book because she wrote a little inscription in the book that was about 21 years ago. And um, or, or thereabouts. And I was just floored by how much it spoke to me. The first words that I read were at the beginning of the course, it says, nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. And my logical mind was like, what? <laughs> I have no idea what that means but it touched something so deep inside of me. It was as if this light that had been really, really dim inside my core just grew. This light just sort of opened and grew brighter. And I knew that I found my path. I knew that this book was going to help me. The anxiety issues that I had leading up to the panic attacks, I had a lot of anxiety as a child, so it wasn't anything unexpected, but the extent of it, the intensity of it, it was the first time it was ever that bad. So A Course in Miracles is really a pathway out of hell. It's a new thought system. It's teaching us how to release our fearful, egoic thought system to open to a different thought system and one that's based on divine love and helping us to experience that divine love in the here and now so we can have trust in it and grow in our awareness of it. And it's been incredibly, incredibly transformative for me. Wow, that's beautiful. What a journey. And that's not an easy read. I, Cody, I don't know if you've tried to read A Course in Miracles yet. And it is not an easy read, especially for someone in college to open that up and to be able to extract that. It's pretty incredible. Well, let me be clear <laughs> that <laughs> I read it in the beginning in bits and pieces. So I would literally just open the book at random and without fail, there would be something on that page that I needed to hear, something that would go in. I didn't understand the bigger message of the course necessarily, and a lot of it sounded like a foreign language, but the bits that did sink in kept motivating me to keep going, to keep studying, Mm -hmm. because each bit that went in, that light grew a little bit brighter, and it was like, I want more, you know, I want more. So it's not an easy read at all, but I find even still, I'll open it and read something that I read before because I had underlined it, you know, years ago, but I'll read it again with a whole new awareness now. So it's like you get it in layers as our defenses start to drop, as our fear starts to fall, we start to get the messages on deeper and deeper levels. So it's almost like it's progressive. Yeah. I've heard other people mention where they just kind of open it and wherever it kind of randomly opens to that's like a message for them. So is that is it meant to be used that way, or is it like a day by day? Is it an actual course? It's it called is an course actual of miracles. Course. So it is yeah. an actual course. So yeah, so it's really not meant to be 
read the way that I read it, but that was all I could do. That was all right. I was ready for at the time. Um, there is a workbook within the course that has a lesson for every day of the year. So there are 365 lessons with instructions. They're meditations. Many of them are meditative in terms of what to do, you know, with our thoughts, how to work with them. And so it is a course and the, the text is the dense theoretical part that can be harder to understand that's in the beginning of the book. In the very end of the book is a manual for teachers, which is written in more Q&A format. So that is actually more digestible than the text. So I always recommend to people to begin with the manual for teachers because it is a little bit more understandable, but it is meant to be studied on a daily basis and, and worked with, but it took me four years to get through those lessons for the first time. So I definitely mm -hmm. took my time with it. And I think we have to honor where we are and not beat ourselves up if we missed our lesson or something like that. Sure. And did you primarily in the beginning just use it when you were feeling anxiety or like how far along until it kind of became more of a spiritual passion or pursuit? That's a great question. I definitely used it in the beginning kind of as a band-aid where when I wasn't feeling well, that is what motivated me to turn to the book. But each time I did that and that little, you know, that little light grew a little bit brighter, that did come with it motivation and desire to actually make it more of a pathway, more of an actual, you know, spiritual path and part of my life. And so what basically happened gradually over time was that it became my operating system. It's now how I see the world. It's now how I conceptualize things because it has transformed my way of thinking. So it was gradual to have it be my operating system, but it also happened quite easily because of the amazing benefits that I was getting from it. Because I honestly never thought when I was having those panic attacks and, and in the middle of the hell, you know, the inner hell, um, uncontrollable shaking, fears that were just out of control, worry, really, really intense worry, getting stuck in those anxiety loops that you guys were talking about in your last podcast. I didn't know if I'd ever find peace again. And to have right. those glimpses of it through the course were just, I, I couldn't stop. You know, I just was um, determined to find another way. When did you st first start with anxiety and, and panic attacks? You said as a child you had them. Yeah, so I was actually, I received my first psychiatric diagnosis when I was only like one and a half or two. I was diagnosed with separation anxiety disorder from my mother. So my poor mom could not leave the room without me going nuts. And <sighs> that, I grew out of that, but I had a lot of phobias as a child. I was always worried about getting sick and dying. I'd constantly ask my mom every time I was sick, like, am I gonna die? I had this big death thing, you know, this big fear of, of death. And that actually, that fear of death is really what brought the panic attacks to a head because the panic attacks were triggered by the death of a student on my campus who died very suddenly oh. of a sudden illness. And so it brought to my mind you know, why are we here? Like it was this, it was very existential. What is the purpose of all this? Why are we here? Um, that saying that God is love, I'm sure we've all heard that. People just say, you know, God is love, God is love. Well, my, in my head, I was like, well, if God is love, how can a loving God create things that die and suffer? Like that just, that doesn't seem <laughs> like it made any sense to me. And nobody could give me answers to that. Whatever, you know, um, therapy I was in, I'd sometimes bring up these questions and the therapist would change the topic because they didn't know. Um, but it was the course that started answering these deep, deep questions for me. So the separation anxiety turned into phobias and, you know, a lot of excessive worry about health stuff. And then the panic disorder came when the panic attack started in college and generalized anxiety and a lot of, you know, hypochondria and illness anxiety sprinkled all throughout that. So I've sort of been through a ringer <laughs> with yeah. the anxiety disorder um, spectrum with being high up on the, you know, the, the anxiety spectrum in terms of diagnoses. And that student that died in college, I remember you saying once that you didn't even, you had never met him. Like it was, you had heard about someone that died and it triggered the panic attack. Wow. Yeah. And he, because he was at a party and fine the night before and then suddenly dead the next morning and it didn't, 
how can that just happen out of the blue? You know, what, what is that? It just really, it, it spiked all my fears that something like that could happen to me or to one of my loved ones. So I did not know him. You definitely should not smoke weed because that'll exacerbate <laughs> that condition for sure. Now, did, right. you, did you try other therapies ever or was Course in Miracles the first time where you really started to tackle it or is it just the one that worked? It was the one that worked. So I yeah. had been in therapy as a child. I don't know what type of therapy that, that would have been. Um, I had tried in my college years uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is helpful for sure. I don't want to yeah. bash any path because I think they all can help us find our footing and get grounded. It just didn't dig down to these existential issues right. that I had. And um, I was doing NLP with a, a, uh, another therapist, neuro-linguistic programming, which again, helped me to a certain extent. Um, I found the mindfulness-based interventions very helpful too. I've been, I'm a big advocate uh, and teacher of mindfulness meditation as well, because that actually has complemented and really helped deepen my study with A Course in Miracles as well. So I had tried a lot of different approaches this was the one that I credit, of course, Miracles is the one that I credit to really getting deep and really uprooting that source of fear. And I think in your last podcast, you were talking about kind of like a leaky pipe, you know, you deal with, with one thing and it gets better, but then it springs, you know, that fear comes out another way. And, and then another issue is popping up. And that was my experience. I would be like, okay, I really have to work on this particular fear, but that might get better. And then what was it? It was um, swine flu or bird flu. What was one of those big flu? Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was like, that undid everything. Like that was like, you know, the next like leak that sprung that just totally unraveled me at the seams and totally freaked me out. So I very much feel that fear is like a leaky pipe until we start getting to the source of the fear, which in Course in Miracles terms is our belief in separation from our source. Right however you conceptualize, you know, your source. I'm comfortable with the word God, but that was not a word that I was comfortable with for a long time because of all the things that human beings have done, you know, in the name of, of God. Um, mm -hmm. Until we heal that perception of separation, that fear is free to keep popping out like that leaky pipe in other places. And so it sounds like uh, fear is the cause of anxiety from all the experiences that you've shared so far, it's, it sounded like every time you got afraid of something and then that triggered an anxiety attack. So is, is that, am I getting that right? Fear is creating anxiety? Yeah, you know, from a course perspective, there's really only two emotions and it's love and fear. Those are the two. Mm. So it's either love or a call for love or it's love or, or fear. And fear drives all of our challenges. It drives our um, anxieties. It drives, it can drive depression. It, I mean, it, every issue that we have, if we're afraid of not having enough money, that's fear. If we're having a relationship difficulty and we're afraid of whatever, and they're like, there, there's always fear there. Um, love is, is unchanging and stable and unconditional. And fear, you know, has its condition. So I would absolutely agree that, you know, in my case, and I think the case for many, it's, it's fear that's fueling a lot of our difficulties. Wow. I, I've also heard you say um, to make meaning out of your darkness. So for example, if fear is part of that darkness, um, can you explain a little bit about what you mean by that? How do you make meaning out of your darkness? Yeah, yeah. So we are often afraid of our darkness, right? We're afraid of the challenges that we have. We're afraid of the issues that we have. We're afraid of our own dark judgmental thoughts. We don't want to admit them in another, in, to say it another way. Um, we are afraid of our darkness because at times we might be afraid that it's going to overtake us. You know, if I start um, getting upset and let myself feel those difficult feelings, there can be a fear there that that is not going to stop. You know, we're just going to get lost mm. in those difficult emotions, those difficult feelings. And so instead, if we can take whatever we consider our darkness and repurpose it and have it be a way that we shift our relationship to it, to have it be something that motivates us to wake up, um, we can take our challenges 
be so focused on healing them. And when we experience those shifts, we, that, we now have, in, in other words, you know, I made meaning out of my anxiety when I started healing and being able to help other people and write about it. That's what I mean. You know, we can, we can dedicate ourselves to healing our minds, to healing our darkness, because the beauty that can come out of that, maybe you're not formally teaching and helping other people in that way, but you're different. And so everybody that you interact with throughout the day is going to have a different experience with you. You know, your healing, your light that you are now allowing to come through is going to touch others, whether you're a formal teacher or not. So that's what I mean about making meaning out of our challenges is um, rather than trying to bury our challenges, our darkness, hide it, stay away from it. If we can go into it, turn to it, learn to be with it and find that respite and relief uh, which I believe we all can through many, you know, we have many different avenues to get there. Of course, miracles just being one of them. Um, that is that shift in making meaning out of our darkness. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. In terms of making meaning out of our darkness. So let's go to election night, 2016. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you, you hadn't had a panic attack in seven years. And then what happened? I thought I was going to. So the night of that election, when I learned, you know, that, that Trump was elected, I experienced this rush of just what? Like, I didn't expect this to happen. And I thought that I might have a panic attack again. Like, I, I felt Trump anxiety. I felt <laughs> fear of what was going to, to happen. And... I didn't have a panic attack because I, at this point, know enough now that when I'm feeling that fear, I'm misperceiving. There's something, you know, that I've now aligned myself with that's a, a misperception. And I paused and dropped into the fear and asked for guidance. This is a big piece about the course is asking for guidance. And I started having some very positive and healing thoughts come through. And I shared these thoughts on a, uh, a YouTube video on a study group call because I facilitate a Course in Miracles study group every Sunday night. And we had a special call, um, I think the Thursday after the election to talk about this because a lot of people were like, what, you know, what just happened? And I shared in that call a number of those thoughts that came forward for me that were helpful that, you know, no matter what the picture may be, our, our judgment that it should be something other than it is is going to keep us frozen. It's going to keep us in fear. And instead, if we can see this differently, if we can have willingness to be a true miracle worker, and that is to be willing to join with the light and the love in another person, even if they're not in touch with that light and love themselves, even if they seem to be behaving insanely and doing things that seem very unloving, it's our job as miracle workers to be willing to see only the truth in them, to be willing to see the love and the light in them. And so that study group call was kind of a moment where we all came together, those of us who were having Trump anxiety, we all came together to say, you know, we're willing to shift our perceptions and how can we be miracle workers in this situation? Wow, and that all started at 3.30 in the morning. Um, yes. <laughs> it did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we were joking before we got we started to, today that uh, I thought your weekly Sunday night call was always about Trump. Like I misunderstood <laughs> it when I looked uh, through your work, and I was like, "Wow, she does a Trump call every like Sunday every night." Week. <laughs> funny. No, it's just a Sunday night study group call for A Course in Miracles, and we just happen to talk about the Trump election. I think tw uh, maybe two sessions. <laughs> It's not a weekly Trump anxiety support call. Sorry. Sorry. It's not a, that, that someone else will have to do that. Um, I, I think I mentioned this in an episode once, but my mother uh, used to work for Donald Trump when I was growing up. Um, I'm, I'm kind of barred from talking about it because I don't think she'd want me to, but probably. I actually, I think one time I realized, like, I think I was a little mad at him because she would always be working and I was a little kid at home. <laughs> so I might have some personal resentment there. <laughs> An opportunity had, for healing. <laughs> I had my own separation anxiety as a child and it's Donald Trump's fault is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so I would like to work that out here today with you. Um, <laughs> 
You know what, though? I do want to share one other thing, which is three in the morning, lat two nights ago, laying in my bed here in Bali, a huge earthquake hit. I think it was a 6.0, pretty big, biggest I've ever been in. The entire house is just swaying for a good minute. I'm there with a little kitty I fostered. <laughs> I'm just like, kitty, stay here. Hold me, kitty. <laughs> and uh, there was that total moment of fear of like, I could definitely die right now. This this roof can easily collapse on me. These Bali houses are not built well. Uh, and and I hit that at, at right at 3 a.m. When you were telling that story about the election, that was what kind of the anxiety that hit me was like, well, that was that was a close one. And then I had to, you know, meditate on it during the day and go, wow, that was a fair amount of fear that I had around around death. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think that the majority of fear that you've gone through, or maybe most people go through that leads to anxiety at like its deepest core has to do with the fear of death? I you know, that's a really wonderful question because I've, I've asked some people that question and they'll say, no, I'm not afraid to die. You know, I'm afraid to suffer, but I'm not afraid to die. Um, so I'm not quite sure. Maybe for some of us, it is a fear of death. I, that was certainly my experience, but mm. the deep teachings of the course actually tell us that we have a, an unconscious fear of God because we're afraid of being punished for dreaming this dream of separation, because the course actually says that this is a wild hallucination. Like we're all actually dreaming right now. We're actually safe at home already in heaven and we're just dreaming this dream of separation. And so that getting deep and starting to look at, well, do I have fears of God? that can be an area to really kind of dig into and look at. And I had this epiphany and it was spurred on by another one of my spiritual teachers. Her name is Nook Sanchez. She wrote a book actually called The End of Death. And she said something that got me thinking about all these phrases that I would say to myself, popular phrases like, tell me if you've heard these before, God takes away the good in your life to make room for the better or God gives you only what you can handle, or if God takes you to it, God takes you through it. And these are phrases that I would often say because I found them to be comforting. But when I started looking at those words, I was like, wait a second, all of these things, all of these phrases are actually reflective that, of a belief that I believe that God is kind of doing mean things to us, like out right. to get us. Um, and, and when I say God, again, because I know that that's a loaded word and some people might not like that word, whatever word works for you, whether it's universe or divine love, I am talking about um, divine love when I say the word God. And it's not any of the judgmental, you know, all that other crap that we've perhaps absorbed. God is love and only love in my book based on what I've learned through A Course in Miracles. So um, these phrases showed me that like, wait a second, God takes away the good in your life. I'm actually saying that God does things like that. Or if God takes you to it, meaning God's going to take me to some terrible experience, but then God will comfort me through it. Um, These were all phrases that I started realizing, like actually reflect a belief that God is punishing and judgmental. And like, these aren't helpful ideas at all. So I started kind of looking more deeply and realizing that I actually do in my mind have fears of God because I'm afraid I'm going to lose something of my sense of self. I'm afraid I'm going to just be, you know, at one with God and have no sense of Corinne anymore or anything like that. And so I had to really begin to look at those deep fears, which for me were specific to being fears of, of God. Um, it also played out for me as a fear of death. So I don't know that I can say that it's a fear of death for everybody. I think it could be if we look deep enough because more of this additional, these additional false beliefs might be there. And so if we're afraid of God, well then of course we're gonna be afraid to die if we believe that we're gonna be you know, meeting God later. Um, I think God is something that we need to wake up to now in this lifetime, in this moment through this experience of love and being willing to see that love in our brothers and sisters. And therefore that awakens the awareness of that love within us. So the journey of the course is actually very interpersonal. It's very much about seeing that light and truth and love and God in our, our, uh, our brothers and sisters. Hmm. So you talked about separation uh, a bit ago. Is that 
separation from source, is that like the core of what's underlying all of our fears, essentially? Yes. In, in other words, if we believe we've actually separated from our source, because uh -huh. I believe that, you know, I'm Corinne and that this is all that there is, is right. then that is a, could you repeat your question one more time? I had well, I'm just wondering if the, the experience of uh, being separated, of separation kind of from source is part of what causes us then to, you know, kind of be consumed by fear. I mean, we all can have fear, right? Because we're in a human body and mm -hmm. that's part of the emotional makeup of it. But in terms of being consumed by fear, does it kind of come back around to being in that state of separation? Yes. That causes so it? We believe that we're separate. So if two emotions exist, love or fear, and God is love and really love and only love, and we're shutting that part out because we believe we've separated from it, we're sort of turning our awareness away from that love. And so what's left, left. is just okay. being in fear. Yes. So that, that's, that's essentially a course teaching that's been really helpful mm. for me. Yeah. Because then it's all about being willing to make a choice to, instead of looking to fear and separation to find happiness and comfort and safety, instead of looking to anything in this world to find safety and, you know, joy, it's inside, you know, that's, that's where that love exists. And so when we can start to, instead of denying love, when we can start to deny fear and say, I'm willing to turn back to love, that's when we start having very powerful experiences that teach us that there's something actually there. And so I have in my book and from anxiety to love, I have tons of examples because the, the book that I wrote is all about the course principles that help me in, re in releasing my anxiety disorders, which are light years from me now. And so I have lots of examples in the book and also in my life all the time of things that happen from doing this work, from turning to love instead of believing and staying with fear. Hmm. So let, can we go a little deeper into anxiety? So uh, that ex what is the experience of anxiety? Maybe not defining it so much, but if we could like poke it with a stick for a moment, you know, like I'll feel it uh, on the chest, like this vibration. Yes, an underlying fear. Uh, how is it that you experience or define anxiety? So you can connect with somebody else to see if that's what they're going through. Yeah, so my experience of anxiety usually starts as a tingly pit feeling in like my stomach. It's mm. this tingling that spreads down my legs where I often will then feel like shaky knees. Like I feel like my knees are weak. It kind of spreads out through my extremities and like I'll feel that shakiness um, in my arms and in my hands. And what happens, so it's a very physical reaction my heart might start racing. I might start getting, you know, clammy or sweaty. And my mind, the thoughts that come in are, there are definitely thoughts there. Like, oh my gosh, you know, what's happening? Um, I might, am I going to die? Can I breathe? My thoughts would always go to physical, you know, is something happening? Is something wrong with my body? That's where my thoughts would often go. But the sort of emotional cloud that overlays all of that is just this feeling of doom and gloom like this this feeling of um being trapped and there's this constriction of your awareness so it's like you get tunnel vision where you only are then aware of your fear it's like everything else gets shut out and it's just the fear is just your reality like that's all that you know that's all it feels like you can focus on and it feels very hard to get out of that. So the, if that continues and builds into something like a panic attack, it's usually a feeling that you feel like you're going to just die. Like it feels like that's literally the next thing that's going to happen. Mm. So it's pretty awful energy. And by the time you get to like a panic attack, there's like real physiological, you can have symptoms and stuff, right? You can have chest pain. You can have all sorts of physical tingling and a rapid heart rate. Many people, I don't know the statistic, but many people who go to the emergency room thinking that they're having a heart attack are actually diagnosed with a panic attack. Right. Mm. Well, I was going to say, so I didn't grow up real. I mean, I have some of these symptoms like of anxiety and stuff, but I think we all do. Uh, but they didn't take me over necessarily. But 
in my 30s, I went through a time where they did, and I had a panic attack, and I didn't know what was happening to me. And that's, I think, a lot of people have anxiety, this, this extreme anxiety or panic attacks, and don't know that that's actually what's happening to them. It took me a while to figure out that that's what I was experiencing, because so much of it was physical symptoms, and, and it didn't make sense, right? Um, and then once I kind of got the answer and got to the core, I was already deep into being a meditator and stuff, then I kind of solved it. So it only happened once, but it was um, pretty extreme when it, when it happened. It is extreme. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely extreme. So anybody it, listening who's recognizing, you know, here's right. some of this, you know, we, we know. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like raising the awareness even of what it is, is, is such a big thing. Um, and it's a lot more, I think, known now than it was, you know, when I'm talking back in the 80s and 90s. Um, 1880s. Yeah, 1880s. <laughs> <laughs> but where do you draw the line between, or how do you make the distinction between anxiety? It's like, for instance, anytime you go to do something new, or let's say I had, as a teacher, for years, stage fright. So I would go into anxiety before I taught. So if if I was afraid of anxiety, I would just have never taught and never pursued that path. So that kind of anxiety um, or the idea that growth happens just outside of our comfort zone and most people experience stepping outside of their comfort zone as anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, how do you distinguish between that and anxiety that you know, is really a problem that needs some kind of attention or a treatment or to be addressed. I like to think about anxiety as being on a continuum. Mm -hmm. So if at the low end of the continuum, this is where we can all relate to anxiety. This is sometimes maybe we feel like we can't sit still and have to shake our foot. Um, we're, we're concerned about something that's coming up like a speech or, you know, a presentation we have to do at work. We all experience anxiety at some point in our lives. And so this is at the low end of the continuum. Turn up the volume, you know, keep those symptoms kind of building and growing. And then at the high end of the continuum are the diagnosable anxiety disorders, which include panic disorder, generalized anxiety disorder. Panic disorder is when you have uncontrollable panic attacks that you modify your life to avoid. You know, you're afraid mm -hmm. of having another panic attack. Generalized anxiety disorder is when you have uncontrollable worry that's just all consuming you. So, um, and there's, there's OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, which I think we all um, might know about. That's, you know, obsessive thoughts and compulsive behaviors, like, you know, overly washing your hands. Um, the, it, it's about impairment. How much is this impairing your life? Mm. If it's starting to get into the, your way of living, if you're starting to modify your life to try to avoid anxiety situations, then that's something that we all need to look at because then that's starting to get higher up on the continuum, you know, closer to those diagnosable anxiety disorders. I think though, wherever we find anxiety, and again, anxiety is a normal part of being human. It's a normal part of our experience in this world. Um, but if it's limiting us and what we want to do, that's when we know it's time to do something, mm. whether it's whether it's professional help or starting to dive into some help, self-help books, um, it's that impairment piece where it's preventing us from doing what we want to do. Or let's say, you know, we don't want to be in social situations. Social anxiety is another type of anxiety. We're fine just not, you know, we don't, we don't, it, it, we don't look at the social anxiety as getting in our way because we just don't want to be in social situations. Well, that's still, you know, you're still modifying your life to avoid something where we all have to be in social situations at times. Right. Um, that's an indicator then that that might be an area to get help for. Hmm. And I found that a lot of people who suffer from anxiety, that they're very sensitive to energy and to their surroundings. So like if somebody else's energy is very coarse or they can tell there's discord in the home or somebody's lying or just they don't like aggression or whatever it happens to be. And they're like really sensitive that can trigger it in them as well. And that's why a lot of sensitive people like don't like to be out at parties or in large groups. Was that something that you found that was happening to you? Absolutely. And the biggest way that that showed up for me was 
again, if somebody was sick, so, so again, for me, my big thing was sickness fears and mm -hmm. hypochondria and being afraid, you know, feeling a pain and going to the worst case scenario, I recommend never going on Google to try to self-diagnose <laughs> because Google will tell you your worst case scenario. You know, it'll tell you what you're looking for in terms of like, you know, the most terrible outcome. So I was very sensitive if I had to be around somebody who was sick if I had to visit someone in a hospital, that would be very triggering for me because I, this is actually a funny story. We're visiting um, my, my husband's uncle um, in the intensive care unit. He was having an issue with his heart and I started getting anxious. This is years ago because of all the tubes and the beats and the machine, you know, everything. He was laying there in the hospital bed with all these attachments, these um, machines. And I started feeling anxiety come. So I stepped into the bathroom and I was there just trying to calm myself down. And when I came out, I blamed it on my blood sugar because I wasn't, I was embarrassed. I didn't want to say what the truth was that I was having anxiety. So there is our uncle in ICU. He has his food and I say, oh, I'm sorry. My blood sugar is just a little low. He gives me his ice cream, like <laughs> for me to, you know, try to feel better. And I felt terrible taking his ice cream when he's the one that should be enjoying it. <laughs> this is just what you know, anxiety made me do. So I was very sensitive to others and even suggestions of like, oh, is something, you know, wrong with me or something wrong with you? That sensitivity, I, rather than in a way, I was kind of putting the blame that they're making me feel anxious, you know, their, their energy is making me feel anxious. So I was putting the responsibility on them as to why I didn't feel good. I started to switch that and I started to say when I was feeling like I was being, when I was feeling myself getting triggered because I was very sensitive to what other people were doing, I started saying, how can I see this differently? You know, how can I allow my mind to be changed so I'm not taking on their stuff? And there's a prayer in A Course in Miracles that I love. It's, it begins, I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. So I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. Not they are doing something that's causing my lack of peace. I must have decided wrongly. And that put me back in a place of power and choice where I could then be the one who's responsible and therefore then I could change my mind. And what started happening then as I was doing that is that I found myself becoming less and less affected by what other people were doing or not doing. And I could maintain a miracle mindset, a, a place where my, my mind was in a state of love and being willing to join with the love in that other person rather than immediately spiraling down into fear. Yeah. I hope everyone in... Yeah, because... Just gonna, oh, go ahead, yeah, go ahead, David. I think we oh, well, can on this. <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I hope everyone in your Sunday Night Trump class heard that one. No, and I was just going to say that's, that's a great discovery because that's such a big misconception in the spirituality world that just because when you start to teach that, hey, you're sensitive to energy, um, if you don't change the mindset that we're just blaming the world out there, you just take that and apply it. <clears throat> and now everybody's doing it to me energetically. But that message is meant to be an empowering message that, hey, you're sensitive to energy. It's your universe. You can change it now that you know what's happening. Uh, but most people, or there's kind of a big thing I see out there where people haven't quite got that message of kind of bringing it back home. And you just described it really well. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. And, and I like what you just said about, you know, it is meant to be an empowering message because if we are sensitive and we are picking up, maybe that other people are in fear to be in that place of control to say, I must be perceiving wrongly. You know, I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. If we can then bring ourselves back to a centered and grounded state that is loving, you know, that comes from love, we then have an opportunity to touch that other person and remind them that that love is in them too. If we've retreated into fear, we're not going to be able to do that, you know, but if we stay in that loving space, we can. There's a spiritual teacher. Do you, do either of you know about Peace Pilgrim? Mm -mm. She, she lived, um, she died in 1981, I believe. And from 1950, I believe it was 1953 to 1981, 
she walked around the continent with no belongings, no food. She wore a blue tunic that said, I think, 10,000 miles on foot for peace. And she trusted that whatever she needed would be provided. And there are stories that she shares because her work is all online. And I have, if, if anybody's interested, if you go to my website, From Anxiety to Love, I have some of my favorite videos of hers. She talks about experiences where, you know, there were times when she would accept rides from um, people who would just offer her, you know, a ride somewhere. And there was this one experience where she got into the car with a man and she instantly knew he meant to hurt her. She just picked up on his energy right away. And instead of joining in that fear, she looked at him and I, I might be getting some of the details a little bit off, but from my memory, she looked at him with perfect love and she said, I feel so safe with you. I'm going to take a nap now. And she turned over and she you know, took a nap in the car and that man did not hurt her and ended up, I think, from what I remember of the story, like following her around for a while to make sure she was okay and like make sure she was protected. Her state of love shifted his mind. It changed him. And she has other stories like this. There was a story actually once where in my own family, my mom and stepdad um, for a time had not been, they had just not locked their doors. They just didn't even worry about it or think about it. And this man at like two o'clock in the morning who was drunk stopped his car in the middle of the street car was still on doors were open walked into my parents house because the door was unlocked he thought it was his house and just passed out on the couch <laughs> and had my mom and joseph and they woke up because the dog started bark barking had they freaked out this man was totally who knows what he was on he could have done anything they put a blanket over him and they did call the police because, you know, who is this guy? And there's this random car and he's drunk and whatever. But um, had they started screaming or freaking out, who knows what would have happened? Instead, they, they decided to just stay calm and grounded and do what they felt guided to do, take care of him for a little bit. And um, <laughs> then the situation was okay. And I've heard so many other stories like that. Even people who had a house robber, like somebody was robbing their house and they came home and instead of freaking out, it was like, oh, how can I help you? <laughs> and the person, this is a real story from somebody who I believe was a professor at Rutgers. Um, the, the robber- That's where I went. Okay. <laughs> the, the thief said, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm just in the wrong place. Can I just use your bathroom before I go? And the person said, yes. The, the thief left all the jewelry tucked in the towels in the bathroom before leaving. So like they returned everything that they were in the middle of taking. So it's really powerful to be able to hold our minds in this state of common peace, which I don't believe we can do of ourselves. This is where I believe we need to call on help from you know, our source, from the universe, however you conceptualize it. In, in my book, From Anxiety to Love, I call it your inner therapist. It's like your inner guidance system or your intuition. Sorry, and and I, I love that term inner therapist because it's teaching about this part of our mind that can help us heal. When we call on that, that's what enables us to um, find that state of love in our minds in these difficult situations. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you how, for that. Yeah. How does meditation for you play into this? So, you know, it's a course of writings and, and stuff, but it's rooted in meditation or is that a separate thing that you also do? So I, so A Course in Miracles, like I mentioned, has the workbook, which are meditative lessons. So it's mm -hmm. meditation is very much a part of it. That's how I got into meditation. I have meditations in my book to, that incorporate, you know, the um, teachings from the course to help with anxiety and meditation for me. So there's like the course based types of meditation, which are very spiritual. And then as you know, mindfulness meditation about being, you know, present and returning our wandering attention over and over back to the breath or back to um, an anchor in the present moment or just practicing that open awareness. This has been key for me because like all of us, I have that very active, busy monkey mind as well. And even reading my Course in Miracles work, doing the lessons, whatever, my mind wanders. It goes all over the place. And so okay. mindfulness has enabled me to develop that mental muscle, so to speak, to notice when I'm drifting and to choose to bring my attention back, whether it's my attention to reading, to meditating, you know, to, to washing the dishes, whatever it is. Um, meditation has been a key 
piece of my healing journey and learning how to ground myself, calm myself, get present and tune into that voice of love within because love and the voice of your inner therapist. So this loving thought system in our minds that we can tap into is only in the present. It's only here. Mm -hmm. And if we're somewhere else, if we are time traveling, you know, our bodies can't time travel, but our mind sure can. If we're time traveling, getting lost in the future or the past, we're not going to be plugging into that incredible energy of love that only exists in the present. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. And, and so Corinne, if anyone listening to this is like, well, I suffer from anxiety, whether mild or extreme, if they're listening going, okay, where do I start? How do I, how do I tackle this? How do I have that come to God moment that Corinne had? How do I, how do I do this? So I would, number one, repurpose the anxiety in letting it motivate you instead of letting it have you retreat from it. You know, it, we, we don't like the unpleasant. We don't want to feel it. But if we can say, okay, I'm going to let this motivate me to do something good instead of doing everything I can to make it go away, that motivation can help carry us forth. So everybody needs to decide for themselves what type of pathway they want to explore. A Course in Miracles worked for me, but there are many different pathways, I believe, to the same place. So getting into therapy, I think, is a wonderful way to begin to start to explore you know, some of the things that might be happening. I wrote From Anxiety to Love, my book, for people who are yeah, looking. show it to us. Isn't it pretty? <laughs> yes, if you're, if you're listening to this show, you could watch it on YouTube, but it is a beautiful, Thank beautiful you. cover. I yeah. love the cover. Um, I wrote this book for anybody who's willing to find another way through their anxiety. So if you're a brand new student to the course and you know nothing about it, I wrote this for you. And I've gotten feedback from people who study A Course in Miracles that this book has also made connections for them that have helped them deepen their experience and their practice of the course too. So it's for anybody who is looking for another way. And it's not, I've also gotten feedback that even if you don't have anxiety to the level that I do, that it can still be helpful. So I think whatever your, your, your come to God moment, if it's coming up, if you're feeling it brewing, like you're done with this, you know, and you want another way, um, start to explore, find what speaks to you and stick to it. Now I studied the course exclusively because I felt that if I started doing too many things, I did study a lot of things in the beginning, but I found that the course worked for me. So I stuck to it. I think that we are prone to getting a little bit, maybe, maybe confused, but I found that I progressed faster when I did one thing, when I found what worked for me and I stuck to it exclusively versus trying to do 10 different you know, approaches at the same time. So I think it's great to pick one, stick to it, give it a year, you know, give it six months, whatever amount of time and see how it's going for you. you know, see if you're finding um, relief and if you are, stick to it. Another way that I just wanna answer your question as well is that we often want to run away from the feeling of anxiety. We don't wanna feel it. And one of the most helpful things that I realized that I could do for myself. So I, one of my problems that was that I would often wake up with early morning anxiety. I'd go to bed peaceful, but then in the morning I'd wake up and I'd feel this gripping tightness in my chest and in my throat. And it was really uncomfortable. And I'd fly out of bed to just start doing something to distract myself from it. Mm. And what I found was that rather than distracting myself from it, if I could start to be with it, if I could start to not run and just feel it, I think you talked about this in your anxiety podcast also, if you could just feel it and be with it, it started to lose its charge. And I would do my course practice. In other words, I'd say, okay, inner therapist, spirit, whatever you want to call it, this really hurts. You know, this is really, really uncomfortable. I'm willing to see this differently. What do I need to look at? I'm willing to experience a miracle, which is that shift in perception, that expression and experience of love. I'm willing to experience that. What do I need to learn from this? And by not running from it, I started finding that just like the sun burns away fog in the morning, that not running and being with started to just evaporate the anxiety. And another way that I conceptualize that is 
that as I start to embrace and embody and own the love that we are made of, that I am, that's in me, I look at that as our true self. You know, we're tapping into mm -hmm. a self that we all share. And as I, as we begin, just begin to remember that true self, anxiety has to fall away because fear, anxiety cannot exist in love. It's one or the other. So if we start to really feel and know that love, um, anxiety cannot exist in that state. And it falls away just like the sun burns away the fog. Beautiful. Thank you. Corinne, we are almost out of time here. But before we finish, um, where can everyone find you? So I'm all on social media and you can go to my website from anxietytolove.com. I have links to my book. I have links to my podcast, to the study group, the Sunday night course in miracles study group, which is not a Trump support group, <laughs> <laughs> maybe occasionally, but, um, I have tons of resources on there. You, you also have a six week class, right? Yeah. Yes. That's from anxiety forward slash anxiety class. That is a really powerful course that complements the book. It's not a course about the book, but it, it dives even deeper. And it's an incredibly transformative um, course to really, really embody the deeper teachings of A Course in Miracles to help with healing. Mm, beautiful. Well, you are definitely a teacher. Uh, the enthusiasm you have, the passion and the wisdom come together so nicely. And uh, I got a healing just from listening to you talk for the last hour so thank you for my healing i don't care about the rest of you uh, <laughs> just kidding i care about all of you and i hope you got as much out of this as i did um corinne we really appreciate you being here we honor you for all the amazing work you've done and what you've gone through and what you've come out of is just incredible and i think uh you know, the, the book speaks to that. So if you guys listen and get a chance, pick it up from anxiety to love. And um, thanks so much for being here. Thank, thank, you. thank you, Cody. I adore what you both are doing and you're helping so many, so many people. So thank you for, for playing your part and being the lights that you are. <laughs> thank thank you. you. Awesome, everyone. Thank you for listening right. as always. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody, that was Corinne Zupko. Thanks so much for being here and listening. We went really deep into anxiety. Um, and, and, you know, I kind of learned a lot be, about identifying, you know, what is anxiety and um, different strategies to deal with it. So it was really fascinating to speak with her. I love her book, Anxiety to Love. You know, uh, on the face of it, I, I kind of didn't realize how much it was about healing oneself and finding a pathway to uh, deal with own, one's own anxiety and feel at peace in the world and kind of get past those debilitating aspects of uh, either fear or anxiety or um, panic. And her description of what she went through um, really enlightened me of, of kind of the, the depth of what happens when someone's kind of captured by, you know, that energy. And, and kind of sinks into that fear. Uh, so I, th I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful um, kind of vision that she has about the way through that. And, and it was kind of wonderful to, to get to spend some time with her. And what a bright spirit. I mean, it was great to listen to her. Um, so mm. good time. Yeah, and, and she's got a lot to offer, especially the interpretation of A Course in Miracles, which if you haven't heard of before, uh, it is a really dense read, powerful spiritual book. I've been able to read two or three sentences at a time. And then right. I put it down. Uh, so good on her for, it took her four years, she said, to get through it, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really great stuff. Thank you so much again. Uh, Corinne for being here with us and thank you all for listening if you do suffer from anxiety or fear then uh, I hope that she's going to be a really good resource for you 
uh, and her book from anxiety to uh, from from anxiety to love. You can pick it up at your local bookstore if there's still one that exists near you. And if not on Amazon, she's got a great six-week course on releasing anxiety. And she has a Sunday night class that she teaches. Yeah. So lots of great Weekly resources. study group. Yeah, lots yeah. of resources. And she has a podcast that's... Um, oh, of course. You can kind of listen to her uh, speak about this topic and really bring a lot of healing and light to the world through, through her work. So mm-hmm. it's wonderful. Wonderful time. Great, guys. Thank you all so much for listening as always. And we will see you next time on Energy Matters. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance or send us some cookies. Either either one would be good. <laughs> we'll, see you, we'll see you soon. See you later, everybody. You've been listening to the Energy Matters podcast with Cody Edner and David Gandelman. Brought to you by intuitivevision.net and groundedmind.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud.com.